Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You are listening to an interview with Carlos Whitaker called Being a Moment Maker Dad. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about our book, Your Newborn Promise Project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Well, welcome back to the Newborn Promise Podcast. I'm Audra Haney, and it may not seem like it in the long late night hours of trying to soothe your newborn or calm your toddler's tantrum. It may not seem like that child's first day of kindergarten or even graduation for that matter is far away. But the cliche is true that with children, the days drag on slowly and the years pass so quickly. How do we make the most of the time we are given with our children? How do we engage in and embrace this short assignment of shepherding little souls in the day in and day out? How do we turn the mundane into memories? In this episode, Carlos Whitaker, a dynamic speaker, writer, and as he calls it, hope dealer, shares about his book, Moment Maker, and how fathers can turn mere minutes into lasting moments. Here's our interview with Carlos. Carlos, thank you so much for being with us today. We are so excited to have a dad. So as we begin, would you mind just giving us a snapshot of what the Whitaker family looks like these days? Yep, I am the father of three and the husband of one. (laughs) Um, My wife, Heather, and I have been married it's really easy to remember because we got married in 2000 for this reason so now every year it's just you know oh what year is it 2017 so we've been married for 17 years um it it makes it really easy there and i've got three wonderful kids i've got a 15 year old daughter a 13 almost 14 year old daughter and an 11 year old son and yeah we live in nashville tennessee we um homeschool our kids kind of they kind of go to like a kind of homeschool school two days a week. So they kind of get the best of both worlds, but they can still travel with me as I travel the country and speak. And um, yeah, gosh, we're just, you know, doing is doing what we can to um, maintain order and chaos and all the (laughs) lovely things that come with parenting. You know, it's, it's a blast. And you guys are adoptive parents too, right? Yeah, we uh, adopted our son, Losiah, when he was, I mean, he was an infant. He was six, seven months old when we got him from South Korea. And so that process was about a year and a half to two years long. And we um, flew to South Korea, um, gosh, 10 years ago um, to go adopt him. And so he's, um, yeah, he's the one child that we adopted. And, you know, it's so funny as, as adoptive parents, you know, after, you know, it kind of at the beginning, it was like, Oh, you know, you're adopted parents, but uh, we, we kind of forget we've adopted him now. You know, <laughs> he's, he's just, he's obviously just uh uh, he's always been part of the family, but he just fits in so well. And um, he's uh, got such a gift to me. I, we uh, had two daughters and, you know, I, I obviously, you know, I just always wanted a son. And, um, and I knew that if we tried for a third, we'd make another, we'd make another <laughs> daughter. And so I said, I'm going to go get me my son. And so we uh, adopted Losiah from South Korea and he's, he's just such a blessing to us. Well, that is so wonderful. And you are surrounded by a lot of love. I know you are also blessed with a lot of creative talents. I know you guys are a busy family. For those in the audience who are just learning about you for the first time, tell us a bit about what you're involved in. Yeah, you know, I am, um, you know, kind of professionally speaking. It's such a hard question when someone sits next to me on a plane and asks me what I do. 
because it, it seems to ebb and flow and change and shift as seasons come by. But um, as of right now, you know, I, I am an author and a speaker. And so I travel full time um, speaking, uh, you know, on stages around the world and um, proclaiming really a couple different messages um, that are kind of built on my family's ethos. Um, the first message is a message of being moment makers. And what, what does it mean to be moment makers? How can we um, kind of model our lives after Christ and be moment makers? And then the second, uh, which is a, a kind of a new platform I'm standing on, is, is a book uh, called Kill the Spider. That's really helping people and families uh, dig down kind of past the, the symptom management that a lot of times we, we, we um, focus on, you know, like how do, how do we stop sinning per se and kind of getting past, past, the, past those issues to the root of, of the issue and helping people do that. You know, and so it, it's actually been really cool to see, you know, how we can incorporate both of these messages uh, within families, you know, as well, because, you know, our kids, you know, as they're growing up, you know, we, we as parents are the ones that can see these issues firsthand and can really kind of step in and pray uh, that, that our kids get past their medicating behaviors into some of those uh, core root issues. So it's, that's what I do. Like I, um, I travel around and I guess kind of, I, I like to summarize myself as a hope dealer. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a hope dealer. I'm a hope slinger. It's what I hope to do. Every, every conversation I have with people, I hope to give them a semblance of the hope that we've been gifted as well. So um, yeah, you know, I've, I've worked as, I was a full-time worship leader for 10 years at a church in Riverside, California called Sandals Church. And then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I was the, um, a pastor at North Point Community Church with Andy Stanley, and I was there for three years, kind of overseeing the creative process, and then moved from there to Nashville, signed a record deal, and toured with Integrity Music for a few years, and then stopped singing and signed a book deal, and now I'm doing this, and who knows what I'll be doing in two years. Uh, it'll probably be something completely different, <laughs> but that's just kind of the, how the Lord has built me. Um, and so, yeah, having a blast, slinging hope in whatever way I can. Well, that sounds so amazing and like a lot of fun at the same time. I do want to talk about both books because they are both excellent topics for parents. Our audience is mainly parents who are still in that early fog of parenting. But in that, I love the idea of being intentional moment makers. Talk to me about how this can really play out even in the early years of parenting. You know, absolutely. I I think, um, you know, I, I think we just have to, you know, you have to parent on purpose. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to do that these days. I mean, there's so many parenting books, even compared to 15 years ago when we had our first kid. Uh, I can't even imagine how overwhelming it is with the amount of information uh, that people get. And, you know, what what I like to tell people is, listen, there's going to be a plethora of information on how it is you're supposed to raise your newborn and what you're supposed to do. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I think all of that's fine. But really what you need to be doing is, setting your, yourself up as a parent, um, even when they're infants, uh, to, to, to be moment makers with your kids, to, to do three, three different types of moments that I, I kind of break it up into, to create moments with your, with your kids, to receive moments and to rescue moments. And those three types of moments are, um, I mean, there's, there's just a plethora of opportunity for us to do that. And again, all that, all that simply means is creating moments on purpose, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm talking to the dads out there, right? So if you know, I'm talking to moms and dads, but right now it's specifically to dads, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, say you, you, you live in a, a, a home where, um, where, you know, you're, maybe you're working or you're traveling and whatever it may be. And for a lot of dads out there, you know, 
at least for me, I just wasn't built for that newborn stage. Like I was, I almost dreaded it coming home because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. And so what I would do is, you know, I would find myself making excuses to leave and making excuses to, and, and what ends up happening is, is I am not, I was not on purpose creating moments with my, with these infants and spending time. And I saw a complete and total shift and change from my first daughter to my second daughter. Where I, when we had our second daughter, I said, you know what, even though this is uncomfortable, even though I don't know how to do this, I, I just was raised with brothers. I, I don't know the daughter thing. I don't know the sister thing. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to just dive all in and get uncomfortable and do it. And the, the rapid acceleration of relationship I had with my second daughter absolutely dwarfed what I had with my first because I was around more on purpose and I was getting uncomfortable in that mess of creating moments on purpose. So, you know, for, for you, you know, newborn dads out there, or even, you know, up, up until, uh, you know, one and a half or two years old, um, man, dive in, you know, get into the grind, get into the mess, and you're going to see an acceleration in your relationship with your child uh, that you won't get if you just kind of are hesitant uh, with making, creating, uh, and receiving moments with your kids. That's so great. And you know, so much is happening in that newborn brain and heart, even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment. I love that example and that you're embracing that. Um, Carlos, do you mind diving a little deeper into those receiving moments and rescuing moments as well? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think, you know, creating moments, those are just those moments that you're making on purpose. So you're you know, with your newborn and you're just there, you're just looking into their eyes and there's all sorts of, you know, spiritual, emotional and um, mental development happening there. But those received moments are, um, you know, I, I like to talk about we as parents receive moments from our kids when, when we slow down and when we pause, we live in such a, uh, a culture of um, everything is coming so fast and we move so fast that I think we're, we're missing so many moments that, that our kids have to give to us because we're not slowing down. You know, mm. um, I talk about a lot that, you know, a hundred years ago, the average pace that a human being would travel is three miles an hour, right? They, they, they would walk. <laughs> that's how fast a human being walks It's three miles an hour. Now we go so fast that even, you know, even with Instagram and now our kids have Instagram accounts and our babies have hashtags and, you know, all these things where we're posting things. And sometimes I think we can look at our Instagram account and it looks so beautiful. But then we start thinking to ourselves, I don't know if I've actually lived, lived up to the par that, that my social media is making it look like mm -hmm. I've lived up to. And so I think as parents, one thing we've got to do in order to receive moments from our kids is to, um, and, and to show them how to receive moments is to slow down, to pause, to rest, to put the technology down, to turn the TV off, and just spend time together. You know, um, as, as my family, even now, what we do is, you know, when we go out like to dinner, you know, we have a 100% phone free, not only for my kids, but for, for me and Heather as well. And we have a phone free date nights where we'll go to Chipotle as a family and we just, we don't have our technology. And it's incredible the depths of the conversations that we get into 
just because we don't have something distracting us left and right. And obviously uh, that's a little bit different than when you have a newborn, but again, it's the same thing. You know, when you go out, you know, leave your phone at home and you're going to find that you're going to start receiving moments and seeing more things that your newborn is, is doing when you're not, you know, um, reminded to look at your phone with that latest ESPN fantasy football push notification that comes up, you know? Uh, so those are those received moments that I think we can step into. And then the rescue moments, um, gosh, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, when we adopted Messiah at six months old, seven months old, you know, I thought I was, I was rescuing him. I thought I was rescuing this infant from, oh, he doesn't have a parents and he's going to come into my home. And gosh, but what inevitably happened was that he just kept rescuing me over and over again on a daily basis, allowing me to be the father of a son, something that I was never uh, able to do before him. And so the rescue moments I tell people all the time is we have to get a little bit uncomfortable. And so really the only way to rescue in parenthood and the only way to uh, allow our kids to lean into rescue with us is to risk in order to rescue. So what does that mean? That means getting a little bit even more uncomfortable than you're getting on a daily basis. If you're living as, as a parent in complete and total comfort, then I tell parents all the time, then you're not living in a state of rescue. You're not able to rescue anything when you're comfortable. The only way a rescue happens is when you get a little bit uncomfortable. If you're not uncomfortable, it's probably not a rescue. So I think that plays out in, in various ways as you're parenting, you know, again, even newborns kind of going to that first story I was saying, you know, is with my first daughter, I was so uncomfortable that I would, I would stay in safety and let my wife be the most uncomfortable. And she was the one that was stepping in a rescue way more than me. But then when I realized that I wasn't doing that, when I got a little bit more uncomfortable, I was able to step into more moments of rescue. Um, and also parts of me were being rescued when, when I, when I stepped into risk as well. Parts of my, Parts of me as a dad that I didn't even know existed. Parts of me as a dad that I didn't even know needed to be rescued because I want to be the strong man that just kind of provided for my family. And, well, you know, sure, that's great. And, and I think providing for my family um, financially is one thing. But I also think that stepping in and leading my family in prayer and praying for my infant and praying some things that I believe will, will produce fruit and benefit the older my child gets because I risked in order to rescue and prayed over them when they were infants, when they were so much younger. Those are those moments of, of rescue that I'm talking about. And those are those moments where we've got to risk something just a little bit in order to step into rescue. That's powerful. And, you know, you've kind of touched on this, but as a dad, you do have the role of spiritual leader where you've got to step out and be intentional. But also as a child of God, you obviously have to surrender to his leading um, talk to dads about what that looks like and how this plays out in your parenting. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, this is something that I'm super passionate about with, with dads in particular, as we are called to be the spiritual leaders of our family. Obviously, that doesn't mean that, that we're called to like lord over our family. But what it does mean is that we are called to be the, the brightest example. And this is what I tell dads all the time, is that in, in churches I travel to in um, just all the ministries I go to, honestly, in America, at least, it is, it is the women and the mothers that are stepping forward um, to lead spiritually their families. And a lot of the dads are just sitting back and allowing that to happen and being like, well, my wife's praying a lot more than me. And, you know, she's doing the latest Beth Moore Bible study, and she's got her women's Bible study group that she does. And I, I, just, I just think that's irresponsible for fathers 
to just kind of coast and relax in that. And so I am, I am absolutely vigilant in proclaiming out loud that no, we need to, we need to be visibly, visibly praying for our children, visibly praying for our spouses, visibly doing it. If there's one thing I remember about my dad is I would wake, if, if I'd wake up at any time between five and seven in the morning when I was in high school, there was never a morning I didn't wake up and didn't see my dad on his knees in his office praying for our family. And I believe that we reap so many benefits because of that. Mm-hmm. And now, have I gotten to that point? No, like I'm, I'm not up at five <laughs> in the morning praying for my kids. Um, I'm <laughs> sleeping. But what I do do is I make sure that my kids see me praying. I've got a daily prayer that I pray every morning. And I make sure that my kids see me doing that and that I invite them into that. Um, and I just think it's vital and super important that from Jump Street, from the moment that, that, you're, um, that you become a father, that you do that. You step into your baby's nursery. And before they go to bed, you know, don't just let your wife put the kid to bed, you know, while you're sitting on the sofa watching ESPN. No, step in there, step into the process, pray over your child. Um, and, oh, I mean, I'm telling you, this isn't just like, some Christianese thing, like, oh, we should just pray. No, we're living, we are living in a absolute and true battle and in war. And if you read scripture, the, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and to steal, kill, and destroy families. And we, as the fathers, are, it's our responsibility to pray over the kingdom that God has given us, to provide protection around the kingdom that God has given us. And it is an absolute vital part of being a father, that we must step into this season of leading our family spiritually. Yes, I love that. And I know it's going to encourage so many dads out there. And I'd love to hear about your new book, Kill the Spider, which is such a cool and intriguing title. It actually came out this month. What was your heart and passion for writing that book? Yeah, you know, so I I had spent, um, you know, just after my kids had grown up a little bit and um I had I had spent the majority of my Christian adult life just kind of trying to defeat the same bad behaviors over and over again. And, you know, speaking of fathers and being a father, I was actually on my way to um, to this kind of therapy retreat, counseling retreat kind of place to, so I could work a little bit on some of these issues. And I called my father uh, at the time. And so this was about six years ago. And I called him and I was like, hey, dad, um, listen, I'm going to this retreat. Um, I'm not going to have my phone for a few days, but I want to let you know. Um, anyway, so I don't know really why I'm going. I just know that I keep um, repeating the same bad behaviors. And my dad stopped me and he said, listen, I know you, you're, in a, you're in a rush, but let me tell you this quick story. And I'll give you just the caveat, cliff notes of what he told me. He said, Carlos, when I was in my 20s preaching my first revival in Panama, this woman came forward at the end of the, the first night of the revival during the invitation. And she walks forward, and she was, she was about 80 years old. Her name was Miss Amitas. And she asked me, Pastor, can you please pray that the Lord cleans the cobwebs out of my life? He said, so I thought that was very eloquent and poetic, so I prayed that. And he goes, then the next night of the revival, she came forward again, and she asked me, Pastor, can you pray that the Lord cleans the cobwebs out of my life one more time? And he's like, well, I prayed that last night, but I'll, sure, I'll pray it again. So we prayed it again. And he goes, sure enough, the last night of the revival, Miss Amitas comes forward again. And I thought she was going to come forward and say, he did it. He cleaned the cobwebs out. But instead, she asked me again, Pastor, can you pray one last time that the Lord cleans the cobwebs out of my life? And I, he said, I looked her in the eye and I said, no, we're not praying that tonight. Tonight we pray that he kills the spider that's <laughs> producing those cobwebs. 
That's and great. he's telling me this as I'm, as I'm driving into this retreat, right? And he says, Carlos, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs. You're, you're fantastic at cleaning the cobwebs. Five steps to a better marriage, three steps to budgeting your money, four steps to how to stop this addictive behavior. And you, you've become a master of cleaning the cobwebs, but you're there to find the root of the behavior and kill the spider. And I'll tell you, friend, it changed everything for me. And so at that moment, I knew that my journey wasn't to just fix my medicating behaviors, but to find the root behind it. And so that's really what the book is about. It's helping people stop sin management and get to the root behind it. And so I'm basically sharing with people that a spider is an agreement with a lie that you've made. And, and here's, the, here's the thing that really kind of can, can lean into being a parent is a lot of these agreements that we make, a lot of these spiders, the birthplace happens when we're children. A lot of these agreements and these lies that we believe happen when we're children. And so we kind of have to dig back to this lie. And then what ends up happening is cobwebs are medicating behaviors that bring comfort to those lies. So cobwebs, again, that's I'm drinking too much or my, you know, I'm, I, I have a, a extramarital affair or I'm, you know, so those are the things that we try to fix, but those are just the cobwebs. Those aren't the, the root. And so, and so that, that's what the book does. It, 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 it helps people get, get to the root and, and really kill those spiders. And at that point, all of these medicating behaviors, all of these cobwebs, they go away because the spider's dead. And so, you know, th- this, is, this is a book that it's a little heavier than, than my Moment Maker book. It is written, it's, it's still written by me, so it's got some fun in it. Um, but what, it's, what, I hopefully, um, what hopefully it does for people is allow people to find their, find their spiders, kill them. And then as you're raising your kids, you know, what we've found is that my kids now, I mean, <laughs> they, they can identify lies that they, they're believing a lot sooner than having to do it in therapy when they're 40 years old. Now they're 15 and they're able to say, you know what? I feel this way. I feel like I'm like I'm the most irresponsible child in the home because you're always yelling at me to pick up my room and I always, you know, this and that. But they now know that those are those are not true and those are lies and they can defeat those lies a lot sooner in life than waiting till, you know, they're in a double ARP like I am. I'm so excited to read that book. And you know, before we wrap up our time, you've already shared so many great things. I'm just wondering if the Whitaker family has a favorite scripture um, that you apply to raising family and doing life together. I think for us, First uh, Peter five seven has been something that that we have um, we've leaned into with a family because again we, we we talk about a lot that we live we live in a broken world and so since the world is broken um, we, we're going to need these promises that were promised in this scripture and it says that the God of all grace personally restore establish, strengthen, and support you. And then it, it, it adds a caveat at the end, which I wish it didn't, but it says, after you have suffered a little. And so what this verse has done for us is allow us to know that suffering is going to happen, but the great part is that Peter writes a little. It, it doesn't say after you've suffered a long time. It says after you've suffered a little. And so these four promises that God is going to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and supports you, gives us so much breath as a family. So, you know, whether we're going through a great season as a family, whether we're going through a rough season as a family, this promise of, of restoration, of supporting, um, is, is something that really kind of keeps us breathing. Is like an inhaler to an asthmatic. And it's something that, that you know, has, has given us a lot of uh, support, and hopefully that, that scripture can give some other people some support as well. 
Carlos, thank you so much for your time today. Wow, such an awesome insight and encouragement that you've shared. Would you mind just closing out our time together, praying for these listeners that are new parents and long to be moment makers and spider killers for their family? Absolutely. Uh, dear Jesus, uh, we invite your, your, your spirit right now. Uh, I, I specifically invite your spirit right now into every room or car or situation that any new parent is listening to right now, Jesus. And, and I believe, Jesus, that, um, that, that as I even am praying this right now, and as I'm even feeling uh, breath enter my lungs because we we're inviting you into this conversation, Jesus, I pray that the, the, the new parents that are listening to this podcast, Lord, will, uh, will feel that same breath. And so what I, what I specifically ask for, Jesus, right now is that they sit under the promise, Jesus, that you, you will and you will and have and promise to restore, establish, strengthen, and support them in this time of parenting when they may have no idea what tomorrow holds because we don't. And so I just pray that for today, whether it's sickness in their child and the word out of whether, um, whether it's, it's maybe their marriage is, it doesn't look or feel or taste the same as it did before a kid. Jesus, may you be the, the glue. May you be the tie that binds these families together, that holds these families together. And so, Jesus, I, I thank you, and I, I pray for strength for these parents, uh, not only strength, but joy. And may that joy of the Lord be their strength, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this spectacular interview with Carlos. Remember, you can get today's show notes, transcript, and 20% off our book, Your Newborn Promise Project, with code NPPODCAST at grahamblanchard.com.